27 February 2007. A platoon of soldiers enters the Triangle of Death. An IED blows up a Humvee. That day changed everything for retired Army Ranger Michael Schlitz, Sergeant First Class. In the wake of such death, destruction, and injury, hear how he has been inspired in the future to commit his life to helping other veterans. You're going to meet Mike next. Personal power. People positive. The community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Welcome, everybody. I'm Chief Meteorologist Bob Jeswald to some, but today I'm your community guy. I'm your liaison out in the community. And I want you to uh, certainly enjoy my first episode. This is my first show, and I'm so excited uh, to, to start this journey with you all. Of course, my work as a meteorologist is something that you do to help keep people safe and, and, and keeping them safe from storms, life-saving weather information, if you will, as we track uh, right on the, the ground. But this today is about uh, becoming a community volunteer, becoming a, in a way that your life will change when you put yourself out there to help others than yourself. So this is what makes it pretty nice that we do just this. And I'm going to be introduce, uh, introducing you to people every week on my show to tell you just that. You know, when you're talking about getting out in a community and volunteering, the people you'll meet will be amazing and how it will be life-changing. It inspires me and that's my passion. People ask, how do you get motivated every day, Bob? This is why. This is why one of the reasons why we do it. And what a way to begin tonight because a man whose example humbles me and gives me hope Sergeant First Class, Army Ranger retired, Michael Schlitz. I want to welcome you now, Mike. How are you? And I'm honored to have you as my very first guest. How appropriate to have you on my program this tonight. Oh, thank you, Bob. It's always great to see you and completely honored to be here on your first show. What an honor. I love your quote. You got to hear this, guys. Mike is a type of guy, and as you could see, and if you're watching our podcast or just listening, Mike was seriously injured. Good-looking guy. Still a good-looking guy, but Mike had gone through a lot. I mean, this was a very tough thing that Mike went through. And his motto always is, his mantra is, before it was all about Mike, and then now you say it's about others. Mike still thinks, even after signing that dotted line in 1996 at 19 years old to enlist in the Army, and you didn't even know about 9-11, it was about Mike Schlitz. Why, why do you say that? And to me, you signed the bottom line, you, it, you made it about country, but you don't see it that way, or didn't see it that way at least. No, I really didn't. You know, as a rebellious kid, um, all the way through high school, you know, it was what what party, what thing am I going to do for me? And and really, like, I knew I didn't have the maturity for college, so I would just completely bomb that out. I didn't want to work a factory job. So I was like, okay, what can I do, one, to figure out life? So I was like, the military is a good way, get a little discipline, make some money, and then maybe in three, four years, figure out what I want to do in college. But all that still had to do more about me than service. And you said one thing to me once we were in, and we've known each other, just to give some folks background, because my whole, the whole impetus to this whole thing is, is me getting in community, get, getting in touch, making me feel better, take it off of myself, but meeting people. And when I first met you, um, and we're going to get to that in the second half hour, I want folks to stay around because you're going to hear more about how Mike and I have this, this relationship. And I'm honored to know you know so many people, you're friends to so many people. And to say that Mike Schlitz is, I could consider him a friend, is just amazing. And, and, and it's an honor, really, frankly, it's just, just a true honor. But to go back to that, you were like kind of chilling a little bit, let's say before 9-11, let's go before 9-11 and you're in South Korea. <laughs> Tell us about that because you're in South Korea and you're like, you know, offshore, like an island type community, like you're in Hawaii or something. And it was a me moment, but uh, then all of a sudden 
9-11 happens and you're like, what in the heck is going on? I mean, it was a shock. And I was actually on vacation. Um, so I was stationed in South Korea. But I, they give you the two weeks of leave in the summer. And um, I was actually due to go to Bali the very next day. And I was married at the time. And we had a nice hotel in Seoul. And we had gone to dinner. And, you know, they had football on. And what was so weird about it is all of a sudden it flipped to this tower being hit. And we everybody thought it was a movie. And we're like, put the football game back on. And then all of a sudden the second tower gets hit. And we realize, oh, this is real. I mean, we left the restaurant. I was in the taxi back to the hotel. And, of course, you hear Osama bin Laden come over the radio. Everything else you can't understand. And vacation was over. That At that precise minute, it was time to go back to work. It's, it's just hard to even comprehend. So at that juncture, you, what is your rank now in the military at this point? So at that time, I was an E-5 sergeant. Okay, so you're a sergeant right now. Um, you know, I mean, you, you know something like this happens when you did realize, okay, March, of course, we did the invasion in 03, March 03, then things changed a little bit. When did you come in? Now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit just to kind of give everybody an idea, you know, what your job was, your MOS. When we say MOS to people, it's kind of like, you know, Mike's a ranger and you're going into ranger training. You're thinking you're doing all these different things. You're going to train, train other rangers. But here's this guy who's a sergeant going in here and you know that my mission's going to change overnight. What happened at that point? Well, that's what I thought was going to happen Yeah, uh, for a good part. But right as all that was kicking off, I came down to come to order, or, on orders to come to Fort Benning, Georgia to be part of the Ranger Training Brigade. So I didn't, we weren't deployable. We weren't really, we were training, you know, the Ranger students and that became our primary focus. But during that time frame, everybody was locked in. So typically what's a two to three year assignment now became four years for everybody. They needed us to stay. So I actually, you know, had volunteered multiple times to go over, go to other units. We were locked in. It was it was about training beat so that the people that were in those deployable units could stay there and go with their soldiers. So folks understand there's three battalions out there. Rangers, of course, the 75th Ranger Regiment here is where you do do all this training. And it just doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you don't you don't take an SF guy, special force guy, one of the best in the army here, the best. These guys are trained to do amazing things and you're not going to just do this overnight so when president bush says this is this is a war on terror and it's going to be this isn't just over with in one night Did, could you see yourself conceivably at that point when you're starting at rtb would you think well this is this I'll, you know i'll do this. this this war thing will be over did you know in your mind that this this thing is long this is going to go on for a long long time forever perhaps war on terror i think we all knew it wasn't going to last um overnight we knew that, especially with President Bush coming on and saying this is against terrorism, and we look at the events that were going on around the world, we knew it was going to last years. But to foresee it going 20 years, I don't think any of us saw that. Crazy. I mean, and I wouldn't think so. Here we are in 2021, you know, and we're talking about this. So let's fast forward again. We're getting through your training now. We're at Fort Benning. You got your years in. You're a ranger. And, uh, you know, and you know, Sergeant First Class, you're, like, getting ready and, you know, now we're starting to get in 07. So at this point, you enlisted in 96. For 07, you got 10, 11 years coming in here. Uh, what's next? What is next when you get your first assignment, when you go overseas in, in Iraq? So at the end of my time at RTB training Ranger students, um, 
I actually had called. So within the army, we have branches and I was an infantry branch guy and, uh, you know, ranger qualified. So we could call ranger branch. I actually called them and said, what is the very next unit that's deploying? And they said, you know, 10th mountain. So that's where I'm going to go then. And that's why I went to 10th mountain It's because I knew that was going to be the next one to go over. This is the reason why I'm inspired because if people can even get in there, just kind of understand the gravity of this whole situation, what's going on in the world. And then there's Michael Schlitz, who always volunteering, ready to go. And remember what I said in the beginning of this, this podcast, Mike is like, you know, he made it a lot about me. It was about me. I mean, this, this is just so hard to even comprehend. This is the fuel that energizes me through this whole thing. And I, and you're going to learn more and more about it because, because of you, Mike, I mean, the stuff that you have, you have done, makes no excuse for anybody. So anybody listening, watching, or whatever it is, this this is this is the time. So here it comes. And here's another interesting twist to this. You you get into you get into Iraq. The laymen and the media like us, we we refer to you know triangle of death. You hear about that all the time. We're now in 07. You raise your hand and infantry man, especially your ranger, I look, you know, I want to go in there and I'm I'm gonna, you know, Check out IEDs. We hear about IEDs, improvised explosive devices that are killing so many people. I mean, nobody knew. I mean, the rate of people constantly being impacted by this. We lost too many men and women through this this time. Um, but you're you're okay to go there, and then your assignment kind of flip flops on you. What tell us about that? And here you go again. You 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 get yourself in the situation, and you're okay with it. Well, I mean, it's what we. We sign up as infantrymen to do. We all want to kind of test our grit. We want to see, you know, we've done all this training. We've done all this stuff leading up to it. Do I have what it takes? And I would say that across the board, anybody who's in the military kind of wants to know that question, the answer to that question. And it was no different for me. So, again, we go back to me. Um, The beginning part of Iraq, we did everything from quick reaction forces, um, setting up battle positions. Uh, We'd actually take over homes. Uh, that on key avenues of terrain, fortify them, and then we go on to another position. But my sister platoon was already attached to an engineer unit looking for those explosive devices, those IEDs. And they weren't getting the infantry experience that my guys were. So our two pl- pl- platoons flip-flopped. Ooh. And so halfway through the deployment, now it became my mission to go out, attach to the engineers, and find those IEDs. So it, it just, just like that. I mean, you guys, that's how quickly you adapt. So now, now you're in a situation where this, this platoon switch, you got the engineers, you guys are ready to step in. You're ready to clear some of these, these roadside bombs and take us from this point now. Now what we are now, if I may take you to that, and this is tough. This is tough for me. And I know it, it had to be really tough for you, but you and your men, uh, and we'll hear about the second half hour, who I enjoy running for for you guys. I think of you every year when we're running for Soldier Marathon. But they're in, this, they're in a Humvee. Now, Humvees compared to the armored trucks, there's a, there's a big difference in the armored ones versus the ones that are not. Why were you not in an armored one? And take us to that day, 27 February 07. What, what's going on today? So I had taken over that mission in January. Okay. Um, and we, so we had these huge up armor vehicles. Um, if, for those that are familiar with the vehicles or want to Google it, there's RG31s, there's the Buffalo, which Transformers made popular. Yeah. There's the real big one with the claw. 
Um, and then we had Huskies that were mine detecting vehicles. And so we were well protected. We were taking two to three hits a day. And as long as those vehicles could still roll, we'd keep rolling through those IEDs. The problem is the mechanics couldn't turn it around fast enough. And I didn't have enough vehicles. So I had to borrow my commander's Humvee that he typically just tooled around base on um, and didn't go outside the wire with in order to make mission. And so knowing I needed to put that vehicle in my convoy, I made it my vehicle and I put it in the back. Doesn't sound like me. Again, Mike, you're putting your... It's just incredible to me. And we're going to hear... I still want... I'm emphasizing this point because you got you guys got to understand why I'm saying this, that that uh, the way these guys are wired and, and, and Mike and, and others who serve our country, like you said, this is what you guys go for. You're, you're kind of like an adrenaline junkie, if you will. I'm ready to take that next risk, if you will. And now he's in a position... Where this is, you know, you don't know what's going to hit you next. You you have no idea what's there a couple feet ahead of you. And even though you got some of the buffaloes and these other rigs that are armored, equipped properly to sustain any kind of concussions or roadside explosive devices, but you guys are in the back, and now we're already in February, a month later, and you're thinking everything's just, I want to say, come see, come saw. Mike again's thinking, hey, you know, I can't wait to excel to my next part of my career. I'm sure all these thoughts I'm thinking, I don't want to speak for you, but you're thinking that in your head a lot of times, like, hey, man, if I can complete this mission, what's next for me? Can I be a sergeant major? Can I be and not really thinking about, and that's how you're thinking, but you're still, to me, you're the hero. You're the one who's putting yourself at risk every day with your men. What's, what are you thinking up to this point? Now, you, what's in your mind? Like, you're thinking future. You're thinking, I can't wait to get home. This is really good. We're going to kick butt here. What, what, what's really going on? So he's, Tell me. Uh, honestly, there was no real thought of the future. There was no, this is going to get me promoted. Realistically, over there, it's that day. Okay. You have to make it through that day. Um, anything past that's complacency, and that gets people killed. And and it's hard. Everybody who's over there has to fight it. I had to fight complacency. Um, so we are really focused on getting through each day. And so 27 February um, 2007 was going to be a 15-hour patrol. Um, clearing routes along where all my friends were. My battalion, my sister battalion, everybody I knew was out in that area. So it was very important to try to find as many of those as we possibly could. And I remember we left out before day, so the sun wasn't up yet. And right about daybreak, we had a dead-end road to clear. And moving five vehicles down a dead-end road and then trying to get everybody you know, situated and turned around we can pick up speed coming back up the road because we've already cleared it. Because typically you're only going about two miles an hour. Now we'll bump to 10 miles an hour until we get to the next non-cleared area. And then it happened. You know, I, I remember it to this day. It was a very, I, I, I remember the boom. And uh, before I could say an inappropriate four-letter word, um, I hit the ground. Like I remember hitting on my head and my shoulder and rolling on the ground. And... We call that an ambush, a surprise attack. And so anytime you're ambushed, they teach you, just take a split second and get a battle damage assessment. And what it was for me was seeing my Humvee, but not my guys. So I got up to run back towards my Humvee. And what I didn't know was I was on fire. But as I got closer to the Humvee, I could feel the flames hitting me in the face. And at that point, you know, it's, you know, survival mode per se. So, you know, I dropped my body armor because that's where I felt the majority of the flames were. I started rolling. Um, but the 
the fire was so intense, my muscles actually locked up to the point where I was no able, no longer able to roll. I couldn't move. And so I was face down in the dirt and, you know, I, I got, I'm not, a, you know, death is the only thing in your mind at that point. This is it. I'm going to die face down in the dirt in Iraq. And it's a hard thing to, to, to kind of contemplate at that moment. And as that was happening, I could hear my guys starting to yell for me. So I had another vehicle in front of us that was about 75 to 100 meters in front of us. So about a football field, football field and a half, and they had to run back to get to me. And I remember that fire extinguisher. Um, two things kind of came over my moment at that moment was the physical sensation, which you can't describe. It was like, at best, an ice blanket just relieving all the pain. And then you have the emotional side where it's, all right, I'm not going to die here on the ground. I still have a fighting chance. And that's really what it was. And um, the guys did everything right. You know, they set up security. Um, they got the, the helicopters called in to come, come get us. Um, but unfortunately, the realistic part of that is my guys never made it out of the vehicle. I had three men, had my gunner up in the turret, Sergeant Susanka. I had my driver, Corporal Henry, who was also my youngest, and then my medic in the back, Sergeant Catavero. And we believe Sergeant Catavero and Sergeant Susanka were killed instantly. Um, but unfortunately, my youngest, my driver, um, suffered and suffered badly. This is what people got to understand. They, they, it's, it's not an easy price to pay for freedom. And this is the kind of stuff that we, you, go through so we can say what we want and, and be free. Um, the names that you just said of, of your men were, they're always inscribed on my, on my uh, in memory of uh, KIA killed in action on that day but they're very much alive with you today. Um, when you were face down, you, you thought it was death. And people got to understand it. When Mike says this, he was burned. 85% of your body was burned. So that leaves 15% of good skin. That's your main organ of your body. Your men are gone. Um, you didn't know that at that point. I didn't. When did you find out and how did you, that's when all this is changing for you. You're, you're now, you're going to be starting to think differently now. I mean, you're in survival mode, obviously. Um, you know, you're their leader and you're not supposed to give up. You're not supposed to complain. You're supposed to keep doing your thing. What, what, what happens next when you get, you get medevaced out of there quickly. You're awake for a while before you get put in an induced coma, you know, and then, then you're, your life is changing at this point that you would never think ever would ever have happened. Tell us what happened then. And when you started realizing your men were gone and what, what, at what point is when Mike Schlitz said, okay, you know, this is survival mode, but this is what I got to do to, to maintain. It was quite some time before I actually, um, was told what happened to my guys. Um, so when they put me on the medevac to get me out of the, the harm's way, right. That, at that moment to get me to a safe zone, they hit me with tons of morphine. And so my last memory was actually being loaded onto the helicopter. And then I woke up in San Antonio, Texas. So I didn't know I went to the green zone. I didn't know I went to Landstuhl, Germany. Um, 
and now all of a sudden it's four months later and you know i'm basically blind in both eyes at that time um and they're trying to kind of get me to reality to accept that i had been injured and i knew i had something happened i didn't know how bad and there's no mirrors in my room um other than knowing my vision's bad and I have no hands, I didn't know the extent of my injuries other than a lot of bandages. Um, and they keep it that way because they want that focus. They don't want to take your drive away. They don't want you to put, go in any further of a depression. Um, and I would ask and ask, and they would just kind of change the subject. Um, it was probably a good year after that I was – actually, I can tell you when I found out. Um, so my unit had come home from Iraq in November 2007. And I begged everybody to let me go up to Fort Drum so I could see him come home. Still head to toe bandages, unable to walk, still in a wheelchair, um, and convinced him it would be okay. Um, so I remember everybody at the welcome home ceremony had basically gotten a long line to come visit me. And I asked my guys, well, where's Susanka? I just saw his dad. And they're like, Susanka didn't make it. And I was like, Henry, you know, Catavero. And they're like, none of them made it. And that was hard on me because I had just saw Susanka's dad. I didn't even say anything to him. He had come up and to make sure I was okay. So that was always something hard for me. Um, but that trip also motivated me because my guy saw me in a weakened stint. Like, I hated the fact I couldn't walk. I hated I was in a wheelchair. I hated the fact that I wasn't leading. And so when I went back to San Antonio, it motivated me to learn to walk again, to start jogging. Um, to start getting motivated to get out because up into that point, I wouldn't even go in public barely. Um, so that was kind of the changing point for me right there. And there's a little bit of this, Mike, in there, and depression would have to set in. I mean, you were feeling, do I, do I really care anymore? What, what, what was it? And I know you jumped in and you got motivated when you got back after that visit, but what was it? And, you, and that's so typical. You don't want to be seen in a weakened state. But your strength is still amazing for everything that you're doing. But you, easy for me to say, but for you, you're thinking, I can't, I don't want to deal with this. What depression did you face at that point? What were you thinking in your mind? What were you thinking? And how long did that last? Uh, still to this day on some days, okay. uh, to be truthful. Um, the majority of it, though, um, was that at the time I was feeling like, look, I have no hands. What am I going to do? I can't lead soldiers. I can't be a soldier anymore. It was that identity crisis. Um, obviously, I, I was dif disfigured. I'm a lot na prettier now because of the multiple surgeries I've had. Um, You're a good-looking guy. Let me tell you, <laughs> man. We all say, we see Mike. I see your face hey. now. I know it's Mike's lens. Hey, right. You know, give it, give props to the surgeons, you know. Great job. Um, way better looking now than before. <laughs> um, and my friends would attest to that. But. There were so many things like, are girls going to like me anymore? Am I going to find love? Am I going to have all these things? And that put me into depression. Um, and I always had that little bit of motivation because my guys, my friends, my family had a huge support network. But deep down inside, every day I wanted to commit suicide. Every single day. Um, didn't like the pain. Didn't, couldn't see three years down the road, five years down the road, the positive stuff. Um, you know, I, I kind of say it's like being in a pool of black water and it's in your eyes and everywhere you look, it's just black. And it's hard to get that little glimpse. And I can tell you, um, the light for me was when I got my first prosthetic. 
Um, it was temporary. It was very basic. But that night I went home and fed myself. And I had that one thing of independence I could do by myself now. I still couldn't dress myself. I still couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. But I had, I fed myself. And so that was a step in the right direction. And then, you know, you start doing events and you get around more people. And, you know, you don't want the attention on you. And unfortunately, the attention's always going to be on me. Um, it's easy to tell I'm a veteran. You know, I wear prosthetic, patriotic arms. I'm burned. Um, so there's always a, a level. But I would rather put that attention on others than myself. Is that fair to say that's what makes you probably that's what motivates you even more? Because you do. When you show up in a room, I've seen you, you you're, you're, it's, it's immediately off of you. It's all about the cause. It's all about those Vietnam veterans, those veterans of today, any veteran that really inspires you a lot. What would your driver, your medic in the back, and, and, and Henry, what would they say to you right now? If they were, I know they'd be proud as hell, but what would they say to you? Uh, you know, they'd each have something different to say. I, I, and I do agree. I, I think they're all proud and they're, they're kind of know that they're my driving force in a lot of ways. Um, but my medic and I were physically fit, always challenging each other. So I'm sure it'd be something more on the, the who's better kind of thing. Um, Susanka was just a very uh, giving person. He was different than I. Like, it was always about me in the service. For him, he, you know, for a good part of his youth, he was homeless. So it was always for him about giving back to others. And, I mean, he really was the guy who'd give you the shirt off his back. And for my youngest, Henry... Um, it was always about service. He just wanted to serve, and he was that was going to be his last deployment. He was on his way out. He had already been accepted into the police academy, so he was going from one service to another set of service. So I think they just want me to keep doing what I'm doing now. That's fantastic, and, and and everything that you just said about him is a lot. You carry all that with with you, and I know that's something that you're doing quite well right now. And and seeing that, I said even like about a half hour into this, I wanted to start getting into a little bit about how we met. But but looking at that, I'm, I'm noticing a little bit of a, a theme here as you start getting a little bit more motivated. Um, you're getting out in the community. Um, then all of a sudden, this actor, well-known actor, who's big on the military, he never served himself civilian, but I believe he had uh, you know military family and and put through a lot of his passion behind it. it was Gary Sinise, and it is Gary Sinise to this day. You started with the Gary Sinise Foundation. W was that the, would you say, was that kind of the catalyst too to kind of, again, you know, here I am, Mike Schlitz. Mm -hmm. It's a given. You know, I'm a veteran. You know, enough of this. I, let me be the advocate for, for this foundation. Gary thought it yeah. would be fitting, and it, and it certainly was for, for some time. Tell, tell me about that. You know, it's just... You know, even now, it, it's so hard because Gary uh, Sinise is so well-known everywhere. Um, but it was a, a Sergeant Major friend of mine, uh, Sergeant Major retired Jeff Millinger, who lives here in, in Columbus, Georgia, like I do. And he, I was out in L.A. going through surgeries, and he called some friends up and said, hey, would you take my friend Mike out to lunch while he's at UCLA going through operations? And so um, Leanne Tweeden and had come and got us for lunch who's been over to the like uso tours and stuff well-known uh model and sportscaster and all of a sudden we ended up on cbs and you know at this trailer and they knock on the door and it's gary answering and it was back when he was filming uh, csi new york so he was still in character had his badge his fake gun but it was still like 
holy crap, it's it's Lieutenant Dan, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't matter what, you know, outfit he's in, it's always going to be Lieutenant Dan. Of course. Um, and we just hit it off, and there, a friendship developed that day. And, um, you know, as I was already doing stuff with Gallon Few and other veteran organizations and, and stuff, we kept bumping into each other. And so he's like, he called me up one day and he's like, you know, I'm starting my own organization, the Gary Sinise Foundation. Would you become one of my ambassadors? And ambassador is basically a hand-picked volunteer to the organization to represent him, his focus, his mission, and the organization. And I couldn't say no. He's, he's done so much for my community and the veteran community, the first responders. Um, how could you say no to that guy? I think we, we had the uh, privilege to go up and see exactly what Mike was saying. What he's talking about right now is getting getting out there with uh, Gary Sinise and, and other wounded veterans, uh, different branches of the military, but military nonetheless, up in Alpharetta at, at a concert. And uh, that was really profound. And uh, Phil Scoggins did a did a nice little piece with that. We got to go to your, your house that has been retrofitted. Because you guys have to understand, too, even your home living, your house had to be designed in a way. So it would give you some independence. And... And much more. But um, with all this going on, people may ask too, the, the question may be obviously elephant in the room, Mike, could, are you fully 100% independent? And I know the answer, but I always see Robbie as a kind of your right hand person, your, your, your important part of your life. And Robbie is your mom, I want to say. Tell us about that. Because, you know, without, you know, Robbie and, and you have close friends too. I know Keith today, he came down here with you. Tell that to people, because to me, you're very independent. I see, when I see you, you're, Mike's by himself. He's doing his thing. He's working out. And then I'm telling everybody, Mike <laughs> works out. He, he's just like anybody else. He kicks, he kicks me <laughs> in gear. And, uh, but tell me a little bit about Robbie. Tell me about your mom and how that helped the transition. And, and this is all going in now that you're the ambassador of Gary Sinise Foundation. You're feeling empowered. And, you're, and at the same time, you, you're helping others out at this juncture. But mom's helping you out. How does it, and how's that feel? And is it better to have mom do that than somebody else? Would that be fair to say maybe? Um, yes and no. You know, I, 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 mom and I have a, a very unique relationship. You know, uh, it's not, it, it's unusual. You know, most grown men um, don't depend on their mothers. You know, they move out of the house. You know, my mother lives with me. So, you know, there are challenges, but we always joke that she's my hands. And I, I'll, I even say like, hey, hands, I need help, you know. Um, and she does. I mean, she I, I can't drive because of my vision. So if I need to go somewhere, she's there. But that, and, and a lot of people are like, Mike, you're so independent. You work out, you do these things. But you also see me at my best. You know, you see me out in public. You see me when my prosthetics are working. If they're not working, I'm back to a double-hand amputee with not, without the ability to feed myself. Um, so there's so many challenges behind the scenes. Um, that doesn't make me independent where my mother as my caregiver um, is 100% needed. Um, and I think that's the hardest thing that I think people can't really grasp when they see you at your best all the time. And I do have a habit of um, kind of showing that because I never know who's looking at me in public. If it's somebody who's injured, not injured uh, physically, but you know, struggling mentally, if they see me being, mad or angry or or totally relying on other people they're going to think that's okay you know and i want to show the best positive and be that role model but when i'm at home i can let my guard down and 
and my mom's there to help me along with other friends because there's you know she's getting up there um she's getting older you know i think she had another anniversary of her 29th birthday not too long ago ah. <laughs> she still looks yeah. it i'll tell you she looks good she um, looks good and so there, sometimes we do have to rely on other other people to help out too, just to give her that break. You know, Mike, thanks for letting us pull that curtain back a little bit <laughs> and, and sharing that with us because, you know, you do, you, you, you kind of, I see you. When I see Mike Schlitz, I see positive 100%. And, and, that, and just think of any of you listening right now or at home watching. When, when you're complaining and you think your life is, terribly bad and you, and you feel like all this is going on you got to put yourself in the space of someone else because there's always somebody else and and I, I think of biblical terms I think of like Job in the Bible I think and you and I discuss a little bit about faith and whatnot um, and that that also has increased a little bit of your awareness and perspective on things and and you and you're clear, clearly behaving in that manner I mean you uh, leading by example I think it's just because of their you know, rangers leave the way to your creed, man. And it still, it still shows that, you know, you, you always, always are a ranger and you always will be. And, um, and, you know, thank goodness for, for Robbie and, and that she's 29 years old and she's never <laughs> aging. So she'll, she'll be there forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's always a good thing, but there's a lot of other, you know, folks like that help and support and volunteer with you too. So people understand it as well. You know, other guys that uh, have served or near you or friends and civilian, but you moved on. Now I want to get into that part now because it's uh, right at that point where I want to add a little levity to it. Because people got to understand, Mike, you, you, I want, if you haven't gotten a space yet of Mike, Mike's also got a great sense of humor. <laughs> um, and, and you have to have that. Would that be fair to say? Would you have to have that? Uh, you wouldn't get through an average day without it. And, and it, it certainly makes a difference. Well, I'm going to share something with you because after Mike... Uh, uh, traveled and I, i'm just going to kind of paraphrase and you tell me if you want to add on this to make sure it's correct though but you think of how many surgeries you've had we're at you made a joke you're at how many now 99 99 <laughs> surgeries. picture 99 surgeries plastic surgeries his surgeon now has retired that's how long he's been working on mike he's got to retire now in, in southern california so now you know how many are you thinking you still need one more you're saying or are you pretty good well, right now I'm good, okay. but I, I think I can squeeze out one more because I really want those steak knives. I'm okay. telling you, like, <laughs> I think 100, that triple digit, man, those those uh, Jinsu knives, man, they, <laughs> they come in handy. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is it a vanity thing, you think, at this point, or is this something that you're like, Bob, I just feel like I want to change this and that? Because I see, I've seen you transform over these last several years. I never saw it right after your injury, of course, and through those times, but you've really come along. I mean, to the point now, it's like, you know, Mike, I know, but I mean, you're, look great and you even explain how your nose was constructed from bone from your skull i mean they do some pretty creative things so um you know you got your face here so if there's anything now it would just be more you want to tweak something maybe i mean there's still some back damage yeah. um you know it's every time i go in it, it it's they're not sure what to do yet um i still don't have you know we were hopeful with my vision we didn't quite make it there uh, 10 times better than what my vision was five years ago, even. Um, so I'm sure as things progress, I mean, with technology, medical science is just moving so fast now that maybe they can fix my eyes yet or they can figure out what's going on with my back. So there, there's very realistic chance that I'm going to have a few more surgeries down the road. And But I think that if you look at anybody else who starts to get up there in age, they probably have those in their future too, so. 
Good transition. It's never right to ask a woman her age. Mm-hmm. You started at 19, you enlisted in 96. How old is Mike Schlitz? Uh, 44, yeah. 44 years old. So anybody <laughs> thinking out there what Mike has gone through up to that point from 07 and, and, and these years later um, is, is truly remarkable. The excruciating pain you felt, mental anguish, and always putting on that great face when you see Mike of positivity because you're always leading the way, and, and that motivates me. I mean, when I can be with you for a weekend, like I spent that day on Saturday with you just a few weeks ago, now from Ambassador, from Gary Sinise, traveling the world, speaking here and speaking there, this country, that country. you get, you got to understand Mike's getting surgeries over the years, and you're traveling like this. How does somebody do that? I mean, how do you even have the stamina? That's what I'm saying. It's because I believe you're the good you're doing and you'll even say it yourself, you're blessed. Somebody may say, well, how the heck was he blessed? I mean, you look at all the things he had to go through. You say you're blessed. And I think you had to be because I don't know how the heck you could have done what you've done. When people complain they're tired here at work, if you're listening, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you have no excuse. Mike's going through surgeries trying to heal from bad burns and skin graft after skin graft. And then he's traveling, speaking one day. You did it for a long time. That, that that's a You're getting burned out at this point. But now we're shifting a little bit to another organization. Could you tell me about that? Well, I, I, well, I did. I, I traveled for 10 years straight with less than 100 days at home a year. And I, I think the purpose is what drives you, you know. Um, and, and it's your mission. If your purpose is your mission, you can call it whatever you want. And whenever you get that way, you're so focused. That's all you think about. So you're not thinking, oh, my back hurts or I'm tired or I need sleep or, you know, I'm hungry. You just keep driving and and i think the people in the military that really kind of excel or do well in the military or or just this lifestyle have that kind of determination already um but now you know after 10 years i just it was time it was time to take a step back you know um i don't want to say that i was tired of like focusing on everybody else's issues but there were some things i needed to take care of for me as well so to, to actually accept that I was going to take that step back, take a breath, kind of um, just kind of refocus a little bit was tough. But then, as we all know, this past year with, with the coronavirus, it kind of forced me into it anyway. Um, but as life is starting to kind of get back to normal, um, those opportunities for me to start giving back are starting to present themselves again. And, uh, you know, um, Last few months, you know, been to Louisiana, been to Tampa. Uh, I'm going to Hawaii at the end of this month to go talk to soldiers out at Schofield. Um, so I have no doubt in no time I'll be rolling right back to what I was doing. Because that's what you do best. So now, nine years ago, we met. We met at, uh, and I have the shirt on right now, folks. want to <laughs> see this. It says Run, Ranger, Run, which has now been changed to Patriot Challenge, but still supporting Gallant Few. And the story of, of that with Run, Ranger, Run, when folks were yelling out, run, Ranger, run, run, Ranger, run, and Gallant Few got behind and supported Corey Smith, his story, Army Ranger coming back, um, comes back from wartime, trying to transition to civilian life. It's a, it's a grizzly bear, and it's another thing that's really hard. It's another topic, another time. But <laughs> similar to what Mike's telling you, when you come back from war, whether it's it as profound as Mike's story, to where Mike's sense of humor when he's showing his house and showcasing it, how your toilet would go up your urinal so you can properly <laughs> do your business. I mean, and, and it was great that how you shared it, but you don't think of these everyday things that you got to go through and struggles, but you find humor in that. But Corey Smith came back and uh, same thing, you know, his story was 
is he called the VA hotline, suicide hotline, and says, look, man, I come home to Fort Benning, um, you know, after enduring what he had to endure overseas and then comes home to find his wife, divorces him, leaves with his daughter, goes up to Indianapolis, 565 miles away, and he wants to put a gun to his head, literally. He actually did. And he did. Tell us, I mean, here he's doing that, but this is the mission you want to get behind with Gallant Fuke. Tell me about that. Well, the first thing I'll say is everybody has something. We all have struggles. And, you know, I'm highlighted because I have those physical injuries. And so people feel a level of compassion or they want to give. And you, you just, it's not hard for me to get support even at the VA because I look the way I do. But you take somebody like Corey Smith and many of my other friends who are injured but don't physically show it, um, they can't get that support. And so Corey wanted to raise that awareness by running from Fort Benning, Georgia, you know, to Indianapolis, 565 miles away. I mean, averaging 20 and a half miles a day in the month of February. You know, it's just a, And he said it, I'm running home to my daughter. You know, so for him, that purpose, you know, was for others, you know, raising awareness what so many veterans are going through. But also saying, look, this is what I'm going through. And I have a daughter I need to go home to. It almost came down to where he called that hotline and somebody said, just think about, okay, sure, you want to put that, you want to pull that trigger on that gun, Corey? Just remember when your daughter says, geez, I wish my dad was here for, and I'm paraphrasing here, so who's going to walk me down the aisle? Well, I wish my dad could have, and I think that was his epiphany. Boom. All of a sudden, he's like, I can't do this. And so his struggle, I'm going to run and go through every weather element, every crazy (laughs) thing you have to go through to endure the cold elements, the whatever. And, and, and Gallant Few kind of fired, fired you up. And, and that's where you and I were introduced by Command Sergeant Major Retired Dennis Smith, um, an uncommon athlete off First Ave in, in, in Columbus, Georgia. Uh, my nephew was at RTB then. He kind of introduced me with those guys. My father-in-law was inducted in Ranger Hall of Fame at that time. And uh, then I meet this guy named Mike Schlitz. You got to meet this guy, Mike Bob. Boy, teammate, never said anything about your injuries, didn't know anything. I'm just saying, okay, here's this Mike Schlitz guy. Come in, I was like, wow. And you busted out some push-ups for Gallant Few, which was then Run, Ranger, Run, which is now Patriot Challenge. Well, that actually, if you remember, um, was actually muscular dystrophy. Yeah, and you, you know what? You're right. Um, Here's the one because thing Because that little girl came in. That's right. That's right. of course, it motivated me because I had only planned on doing like 100 push-ups that day or something like that. Yeah, only. Listen and, to this guy. Um, <laughs> well, back then, I couldn't do them consecutively yeah. either. No, so, But you did um, great. You know, but... Again, you see somebody else's struggle, and it just motivates you because um, you want to motivate them. Or, And let's be honest, by doing that stuff, you do feel good about yourself. Like Absolutely. It's volunteering. You still have that reward. And um, But, yeah, that's where we met. That, that was wonderful. And, and moving on, you know, getting to know you and um, having the Run Ranger Run events, uh, starting the team Schlitz uh, with, with the teammates and having the shirts made. Um, and you asked me, you know, if you could put my the guy, my uh, the guys I lost on the shirt and run in the soldier marathon. Like I couldn't have asked for anything more than that. It's an honor. I mean, I, I can't tell you, you can ask my wife. You met our chief photographer here moments ago. Cause I got him. He was somebody who I felt good. at can inspire other people to get motivated and work out. And this, this whole gallon few run range run, which helps like, tell people at home too. It's a nonprofit that has different, you know, different great organizations involved. I were, you know, Darby's warrior support group that Dennis was involved in different things. When men and women come back from, from battle and and it's very hard to to just shut down you just can't because you're on 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 is it a duck hunting trip 
with some civilian guys and other guys, compadres that you're used to, to get out there, do a duck hunt, something to feel like you can slowly decompress, share your stories, whatever it may be. And this transitioning outfit is 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 done wonderful things. It's nonprofit uh, with Tony Main as a director, and he'll I think he'll scale back next year, so you'll be more regional, local guy. With you as the chairman, Michael <laughs> Slitz is the chairman. The chairman gets up. I can could I share this with a couple <laughs> weeks ago? So just to give you a little thing, Mike's just Mike, and, and I invited all you. I'm looking at you now at home. I invited <laughs> every one of you to come down just a couple weeks ago as we wrapped up February, which is our 565 miles which started with, um, with Corey Smith, but was the ambassador now with um, Chairman uh, Michael Slitz, uh, getting people to come on down to hear Michael speak and to get people to earn miles. We're, we're just wearing it in different ways. You could do it through you know, biking, hiking, rucking, uh, walking, swimming, rowing, um, and just other activities. Yeah, any, any, any physical activity, you know, and, and that's what we want because, you know, Corey wanted to run home. But, you know, what they don't realize is, he was, I think, around 250, 300 miles um, and had really bad shin splints where the doctors were saying, you can't run anymore. So we got him a bike, and he actually biked a good bit of it, and then he ran the final mile, the last mile into Indianapolis, and that's how he – so that's where a lot of this uh, going from run range to run and having a team event because we realize most people can't do 565 miles in a month right. – um, to have a team event and now the evolution with Patriot challenges, we just want you to get out and be active, but it's also about connecting, connecting with your community, connecting with others, other veterans, um, and by doing something physical, which is going to benefit your health anyway. So like you said, biking, rowing, uh, rock climbing, if it's physical, um, what we say is if it's, if it doesn't do miles like swimming or biking or walking, and doesn't really have a measurement, 15 minutes of, of constant activity equals a mile. Love it. And it made a difference this year. And we we had Team WRBL. We have, well, RBL Columbus was that team to have people join us. And then Money Raised helps out the organization, uh, obviously, Gallon Few, and it, 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 which was remarkable. And Tony will be bringing that check to WRBL. We have some medals. You guys get swag with this when you sign up. Hope you could do it next year. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's it. You know, when you think of virtual runs and races because of the pandemic, it, it is. I mean, you get out and you're physically doing the stuff, as you said, the things you may enjoy that you can't do that other people can do. So those activities will equate to yeah. a mile, 15 minutes of, of, of a constant workout of some sort or just activity. Um, Mike got up at this culmination of 2021 of February and uh, Gallon Few and when I couldn't wait for you to speak. I, I left. I was going to do something. My daughter came back from a track meet. I came back again. I go, got to see Mike. I told Tony Main, I got to see Mike. Tell Mike, you know, and he's going to be there. We had some nice uh, food, uh, you know, that was uh, catered. And boy, you folks at home again, you missed out. You should have been there. And a couple of my colleagues showed up too. They did some rowing. Uh, Crystal Johnson came and rowed with you and me. Uh, you rowed your fanny off. And Mike, Mike's a, <laughs> that guy, he makes it look easy, but I mean, it's just incredible. But you were rowing. And then when we got done with that, Mike, before you let off with a quick, you know, Mike's here and this is what we got to say. I don't, you know, I don't want to say, I want you, could you, do, I don't know if you remember this. What did you, what was so profound about that you jumped up on that chair that was in there <laughs> and you're pretty brief. Yeah, you're my, my, my former army ranger father-in-law was like that too when he was inducted. He goes, I'm a man of very few words, you know, and he is. And when, when he says something, boy, does it hit you. 
you got up there and you mentioned something about 14 years to the date. Could you, could you kind of paraphrase how you, how you did that? Cause that, that was really, when you said you got up there and did that, that, that really took me back your little humor style, but yet it, it, it really said a lot. Well, I mean, for me, um, I can't exactly remember. I can like say, have, I guess, have yeah. the time it, I do off the cut and use yeah. my wit. But I, I mean, I knew I was doing 14 for my, the 14th anniversary again, blown up, sent to Texas, yeah. um, which I call, some people want to call it your live day and different things. I call it my getting blown up, sent to Texas day. Yeah, that's um, yeah. But yeah, it was everything about that day. Um, so for me, my goal that, that month was to, to earn my silver medal, which is 350 miles. And so I'll, I could have actually finished the month early, but I waited for that day. Um, so I could actually hit that 350 mark for those guys on the 27th. I got a bronze. Now, just to let people know, <laughs> Mike got a silver, which is much higher in miles. So a bronze ended, I think it was up to uh, um, 160, but it was, I think it started at 140, 150 miles in a month. And I think you, so the silver, you're, I mean, you're already in a two, 200s, 300 range. Yeah. So, miles. Yeah. so uh, the bronze is 150, the silver is 350. And the gold, which I will be going for next year. Oh, I'm sure you'll get it. <laughs> I'm already starting to map out plans and, and training routines to go for that 565 to get that gold next year. See, now, here's the motivation for me. This is why I do this. I get out there. There's no excuse. Here, I'm a guy, and, you know, I don't have the physical battle scars, and I, or, the, or the mental, although some people may say I'm a little mental. I, I have grown uh, up in an Italian I think they family say, in They say York. that about all of us. Let's be honest. <laughs> I, I'm a little mental at times, I can tell you. But, but the thing, and I mean that, in a, obviously, in a, in a nice way here, but I'm, I'm saying that, that that's the motivation. That's the kicker. If anybody listening to this, if you feel like right now that you are destitute, you feel like you're sad, depressed, whatever it may be, and, and depression is reality. I mean, depression is an illness, and I understand that, and there's medication for it. There's things that we got to do, but there's ways to get out of it. It's the adrenaline that you fuel, and you have fueled for me the last nine years since I've known you, that has given me on the days that I feel like I have, everyone has bad days, as you said. It's, I think of Mike Schlitz. I think of his men. It's gone. When I'm running for Team Schlitz, and uh, you know, Bob, I appreciate sorry. that, yeah. but yeah, you know, I do have something to say on that, though. Um, especially when we talk about you know people's bad days. Um, one, you're allowed those days. Yeah, um, you're allowed to have those aches, those pains, those different things. But what I always tell people is, don't compare it to others. All right, so you can't compare whatever you're going through to what I've gone through. You can't compare. If you've had one surgery, you can't compare it to my 99. Apples and oranges, it's, it's, it's not really important. What's important is it's important to you. It's relevant to you. So if you're coming up to me and you're like, man, my back hurts, well, I can relate, and, and that's fine. Like I'll, I'll listen to that because it's relevant to you. Um, so, but if I were to dismiss that, then that's just feeding into those different depressions and anxieties and things that, that cause people to do the things that we don't want them to do, like suicide. Um, so if you have a bad day, have your bad day. If you have pains, aches, those things that are relevant to you, that's fine. And I hope you find ways to get through it. Find that motivation um, and that focus to kind of put it on something else. But don't let that bad day turn into a week. Don't let that week turn into a month. And don't let it turn into a year. 
And by anything, don't let it turn into suicide. But it's okay to have those aches, those pains, and those bad days. Everybody has them. Thank you for saying that. That 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 says that's exactly. I, I you can't articulate that any any better than that. And 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 it's something that we can take away. I can take away from that too. Where I like you said, it's not apples and oranges. Just because we have a tendency to do that. I do that a lot too to my kids or whatever it may be. Like you know, Dad, don't make it about yourself. And we do drift in that direction sometimes. And I'll say, come on, guys. When I was your age, I did it up. But I, I don't know what they're feeling, and and everybody's, and and thank you for that. And that's another learning moment from you that you you give me. So that's something I could take away from this today. This is the first time I ever kind of got that marble in the hole there, and 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 that that's a great perspective, Mike. That's that's really good, and I appreciate that because that's really really good. I um, I you know I got to tell you, you know, as far as uh, you know, if anybody, I just really hope they can share this podcast and 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 get somebody to to get involved like what you're involved in and what we do to give back to community to uh know that when we take it off ourselves it does empower you and it makes you feel better um people wonder where i get all my energy and stuff it's the mental health part of it the mental energy that it gives me because without good mental health you you can't get the physical part aspect of it and um i think that's the perspective that that's helped me um I can say I never, my mom has a little depression. I've never had it um, that I would say. I mean, there's times that I felt, you know, sorry for myself or every, we all know what we're talking about. I'm just think, thank God. And I ask why I do this all the time. Why do I do this job? And every time I do that, somebody will come up to me and, I, and I, they have. And I, and I thank you for it and other people in the community, whether it's military, whether it's just other nonprofits. You mentioned MDA. I was real, real big in that for many, many years. And when I first started TV, I got involved immediately. I always gave back. I, it was just something that was just innate in me. But I also find that it inspires other people. And it has. And I love to see even the guy across the street is running now, you know, and he's getting involved, you know, at another station and he's doing stuff military wise. And, and at first I thought it was a competitive thing. And now I realize that's a great thing because he's doing, I can't do it all. I can't do it. And he's, he's helping. And, um, that's an honor. That's a privilege. And I realized being in the TV and keeping people safe when severe weather strikes, I can parlay this and, and meeting Mike People like Mike in this particular, just this one episode of this podcast, first one, inaugural, Mike Schlitz <laughs> is on it. I mean, it, it couldn't be any better than this, that I know now I can take that and and serve people with it. I never served the military. People think I have, I, you know, and I'm always very clear that, no, I never served, but it's an honor to think that you thought maybe I did, but but I don't. I'm a civilian, family served all around me, been involved in military family through marriage for, shoot, um, 25, 26, 26 years now, 27, almost 30. Yeah, I can't even think how fast. Um, where I was dressed down by a retired command sergeant major, just, you know, I'm thinking, man, this dude does not like me. <laughs> I'm not good enough for his daughter. But That's any sergeant major, let's be honest. Is that, is that what it is? Okay, so now, now I get it. So, um, but to have this opportunity to use this business, and if you're not even in TV, I don't care what you're in, whatever business you're in, to contact us, contact Mike Gallon Few, get involved. If it isn't a physical thing that you will, I don't like doing physical fitness, but there's some way you can volunteer, like you said, give back. It ignites you. It fuels you up. It gives me purpose to, to do it beyond the scope of what my vocation is as a meteorologist. Because sunny, dry days, Mike, I don't think how you check in the weather. We kind of get it. But I'm still entertaining to those who want to watch. But I would rather, you know, you know, those severe weather days and then those days are a little slower, get out. And, and meet people 
and, and give back. And you, you've been, as much as you said that I know my, I'm not, you know, I'd never put myself in your place, but, but everything you've done has just fueled me up beyond, beyond measure. And, you know, just thinking about this going forward, as we get with Gallant Few in this new new chapter here, and you're still doing, you got some travel plans coming up. You're going to go to Schofield, the uh, base or post, I should say, yeah, in uh, in Hawaii, in Honolulu. Um, what 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 what's going on next? What can we expect from Mike Schlitz? What can we expect beyond Gallant Few? You know, um, right now I don't know. Um, sometimes I think it's better just to see what the future brings you. Like you know. If, it's kind of like that positivity, you know, like I never meant to become a professional speaker and I became a professional speaker. Um, you know, never thought I'd be traveling the world with different veteran organizations and, and doing the work I did. I just kind of, it just happened. Um, so right now I'm just going to continue giving back to the veteran community in different ways, whether it's through gallon few, um, preparing for next year's Patriot challenge with, uh, Tony. Um, I know, no matter what, I'm going to find that next thing. Um, but I don't necessarily want to just... Sometimes when you when you go for something in particular, it's not what you expect it to. So I think for me, I just I kind of just keep doing good and see what comes my way. It's karma. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're not kidding. You, you said that well. You're right. When you, when you put out good things that are positive, good things are going to come yeah. back no matter what. And is, would you call it a God thing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know... Um, and I don't want to like step on anybody's beliefs, but you know, I always say, you know, whatever your higher power is, uh, for me, it's God. Um, you know, you have to have faith. Um, I, I have to believe that this happened for a reason. And, you know, when you're, uh, just talking about, you know, inspiring your neighbor, the people that were out around you, uh, you'll never know how many people you have actually impacted. Um, whether it's through your events, through, you know, your, you know, the broadcast with the weather. Well, for sure, weather. How many, how many bad things have you, have you told us about that? You know, you'll never know those people that watched you on TV or heard the, the weather alert. Um, so you're changed lives that you never know you're going to ever have the, the chance to be thanked. Or So I saw this thing going around social media, and I, and I actually hated it because it was something like, I just want to uh, – have somebody come up to me and say, thank you, you changed my life. Well, why are you doing it for the thank you is all I could think about. Like, yeah. just do it, you know? And, and I, I think that's what it's all about is just do it, you know, and, and see what comes your way. And um, I just have faith things are going to work out. I don't, I don't want to say I'm goalless, but at the same time, like, I'm in a unique position where I can volunteer my time. I don't have to worry about a nine to five job or anything like that. So when we talk about being blessed, how many people can say that I can just focus on my volunteer work? You know, I know a lot of people with that would love that. Mike, that's amazing. Cause a lot of people would look at that as hard work, you know, and, and, it, it, and I know you don't see it that way, but that's, uh, that's remarkable that it, it really is. And I think even on that note, uh, two minutes remaining here of our first podcast we can we can end on so many good good notes here so but that that's one of them that's for sure and i and i again i can't uh say it enough that how it can really change your life it changes it's changed mine i mean people don't know it it's it's there's a reason why i came back to columbus george i was here in the early 90s and uh, never thought i'd return and we said how much better Columbus is now. I oh, mean, 10 incredible. times, 10 yeah. times better. And <laughs> growing. Yeah, and still growing, you know. And 
it's, uh, you know, if you haven't had a chance to just enjoy the surrounding area, and I mean even East Alabama to West Central Georgia, it's, uh, this whole region is just is just amazing. I mean, the things that you could do from the Phoenix City side, Columbus side, and, 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 and beyond. But, um, but I'm, you know, I, I'm excited about 2022 on that. Um, of course, there's a lot of different things that I'm doing in between, you know, <laughs> helping out. We just, I just got done doing some stuff with Mercy Med. And, and um, again, these, this, this vehicle of television is, uh, and I know it's a privilege. It's an honor. Anyone who gets into uh, a medium like this, that you can use this platform to move things on. I know that's why I'm doing it. I, I, it's not just me showing up, punching a clock, doing weather and going home. It's, it's, it's using this WRBL platform to help. Yes. Does it promote the station? Absolutely. I mean, this is my paycheck, but, <laughs> but it, but it also, and they give me the freedom to do it. I mean, my news director, Gene Kirkconnell, my general manager, Vice president, David Hart, who participated this year, who was on a Peloton who almost got a gold, but he got a silver, got a silver Peloton. Yeah, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but I, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, again, it humbles me again to know you, Mike Schlitz and more good things coming up. And uh, what a conversation we had today, Michael, I, I appreciate you being here with me tonight sharing your story and thanks for all the work you do for our veterans and inspiring others and that's what this is all about this podcast thank you for being and thank you for staying with us here folks so it was a pleasure mike thank you you're very welcome that's great and remember i want everyone to understand you can watch the bob jeswald show it seems uh <laughs> interesting i'm promoting myself here but uh, it'll stream live on wrbl.com every wednesday night at seven eastern six central watch the replay the next day on your website on our website, I should say. And coming soon, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Audible so you can listen to the show on the go, as we hope you can do. And make sure to connect with me on social media. On Facebook, I'm there with you. Follow Bob Jeswell, WRBL. Look for B Jeswell, WRBL on Instagram and on Twitter, my handle, at B WRBL. So that was my first show, and thanks for tuning in. I'm Bob Jeswell. Till next time, I want you to all to remember when you focus on yourself, of course you can achieve great things but if you serve others like we talked about today with mike schlitz you can change the world start small do good stuff okay it adds up i'll see you on tv tonight or the next night or whatever night it is whenever you're listening to this podcast and i'll see you right back here next week wednesday